the pandemic, civil unrest, protest, and the road to the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. J.K.L. Engineering. Folks, whether it's wintertime, spring, or summer, they'll keep you nice and comfortable in your home. Why not let J.K.L. Engineering let them design and install a natural gas, high-efficiency carrier infinity system? Energy-efficient, quiet, more affordable than you think. No gas, no problem. Let J.K.L. Engineering design and install a high-efficiency heat pump system, including ductless splits. Heats in the winter, cools in the summer. These units are so efficient, it can reduce your oil bill as by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates in the market, and they also do new installation replacement of high-efficiency gas boilers. Now, J.K.L., is a carrier factory authorized dealer. They're licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Folks, let's face it. Being inside, being comfortable in your home, is there anything more important right now with what we're going through? Call J.K.L. Engineering. Central Air is a game changer for your life. Talk about improving quality of life. Here's what I'm saying. J.K.L., they'll keep you warm in the wintertime and cool in the summertime. 53 years of experience, their reputation second to none whether you're in rhode island or massachusetts call jkl engineering today estimates are free financing is available for both residential and commercial call my friends at jkl 401-351-7600 remember estimates are free financing is available let's be nice and comfortable in your home jkl 401-351-7600 you're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go till 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. If you want to send me an email, folks, or contact me, go to the website, and then you'll see contact, and you just click on that, and uh, it goes directly towards me. Well, it's time for our legal segment. Joining us, one of Rhode Island's top attorneys, it's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, I want to start off with, um, boy, Governor Raimondo certainly got a lot of attention in her weekly press briefing uh, pandemic, uh, mostly about that, but then it goes into other areas. And one of the things the governor Amundo announced is a new tip line that has been set up. It's going to be monitored by state police. And basically, if you see a party larger than 15, you're supposed to call the tip line and whoever it may be. And then on top of that, uh, police would then arrive and it could be as much as a $500 fine on not only the person throwing the party, but everyone inside the party. So the first question comes out is, uh, is something like that really legal? Uh, John, I don't think this would be enforceable. I mean, the governor is doing all of these um, executive orders and coming out with all of these edicts based upon Rhode Island general laws, which do give her certain extraordinary limited temporary powers in the event of a public emergency or a health crisis. I, I question whether or not at this juncture we are in a health crisis consistent with why all of this, um, lim these limitations started in the first place. Her original executive orders and the powers that she derived from those um, orders and from the statute was to stop um, an overtaxing and an overflooding of emergency rooms. That was kind of it. And that's been accomplished in everything she's done since then. She can claim it's to stop uh, another spike in um, emergency room cases and an overtaxing of hospitals. But this is really sort of a Soviet era, you know, rat on your neighbor, snitch on your neighbor, um, edict. There's been similar um, things of this nature that have been started in other states like Ohio. But um, it's very troubling that she would be encouraging people to rat on their neighbor. Um, it's just not American. It's such an un-American concept to spy on your neighbor, to call up anonymously and rat on your neighbor. I don't think the $500 fine would be enforceable. And how about if you call the state police and say, I'm making a complaint. There's more than 15 people congregating at Scarborough Beach. Right. Go arrest everybody. 
Yep. I mean, where do you draw the line on what constitutes a gathering? Um, I have not seen an actual statutory scheme setting forth language which would com- constitute a violation warranting a $500 fine. Um, it almost seems like it has to be unconstitutionally vague. It has to be an unconstitutional overreach. Um, the trick with all of these things is she's threatened and she's threatened. And largely she's gotten away with it because I haven't seen any material in the media that any of these um, fines have been levied, nor has anyone been brought into court and challenged um, these orders. So I think people are going to abide by this because they don't want to be the test case. They don't want to spend money on lawyers to challenge the governor's um, um, initiative here. But um, she's playing a very good game of poker. I'm sure part of it is bluff, hoping that she can just, by her words, get the public to comply with what she wants. Um, I think there will come a point in time when people's patience with this whole situation wears thinner than it is right now, and it's real thin. Um, there probably will be some challenges. If she starts knocking out, uh, having the state police knock out $500 uh, fines and allegations against uh, 15 or more people at a house party or um, some other uh, congregation of people, um, how is one going to enforce it? It's it's a very troubling um, development, yeah, most troubling. Forgetting the the, uh, I think the unenforceability of it on, based on vagueness is the notion that she's encouraging people to spy on each other and rat each other out. As I've said, it's just so un-American. It's um, beyond disturbing. You know, Tim, not only that, but it also treats, I mean, let's just be realistic here. First of all, uh, you know, the numbers show that the highest infection rate right now, 186 cases is in Central Falls. You have a a community like Smithfield, it's fewer than five. So you could, you could realistically, you, let's just say you have someone who lives in Smithfield and they have 50 people into their backyard and you have more property, you could actually have people distance out and have that type of gathering however if you live in central falls where it's very small lot sizes it'd be very difficult to spread everybody out if you had 50 people in your backyard if not impossible it just seems to be you're you're trying to fit everybody into the same box when that's clearly not the case of how how we operate and how things are here in rhode island no, of course not. And that's why it would, I believe, uh, fail if um, the state police were to show up somewhere and charge 15 or more people with uh, the offense that's um, alleged. I think that it would be something that would be unenforceable in a courtroom if a judge had to look at the statutory scheme, the fine um, schedule that would be imposed, and whether or not... Um, the alleged violation was for the very reasons that you said, I think it's a lot different than if um, you've got 20 people who are age 70 to 80 or sitting around closely um, to each other versus the same number of college students or teenagers who are much less susceptible to um, get infected with this COVID, or if they get infected, they're likely to have a very mild case, which will not require them going to the ER. Um, You're right, it's trying to treat everyone equally and shove everyone into the same box. And it just doesn't work that way. And it will never pass constitutional muster. Folks, we're speaking with attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, let's stay on that theme that the travel restrictions, Rhode Island has found itself in a Truly being an island this week where uh, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, if you travel there uh, from Rhode Island, you have to quarantine for 14 days. And now uh, Massachusetts has also enacted this business. If you stay more than a day, more than 24 hours, then you're supposed to quarantine. And then we have found ourselves on this list. All of this sounds good, Tim Dodd, but again, with like the travel restrictions and Think of, think of that. There are people that go to Massachusetts every single day for work. And, and conversely, the same people that go from 
Connecticut to Rhode Island or Rhode Island to Connecticut. And uh, how do you possibly enforce travel restrictions with states that fall into people's everyday routine? Well, again, John, I think that the governor and all of the governors are playing a bit of bluff poker. Um, they come out with these edicts and they hope that it will scare the public and that um, by scaring the public, both with the threat of prosecution or fines and with the threat that it's a continuing health scare, that with those two prongs, fear of prosecution, fear of health um, um, compromise, if you, if you don't follow these rules, um, that they're just scaring the public into compliance. Um, I don't think any of these edicts would be enforceable. Would, they would not be found to be legal. They would not be found to be constitutional. John, there are exceptions. You, you bring up the, the example of people going back and forth, maybe for work between here and Massachusetts. There's a specific carve out in what the governor suggests for um, students and for people who go to a specific place every day for work. So if you have an employee who comes from New Bedford and they come to your place in Providence every day, and they work in an office and they go home, that's okay. But if that same person comes to the Providence Place Mall or something like that, or goes to the beach and then goes back to um, Massachusetts, that person's supposed to self-quarantine. Um, how do you ever enforce those differences? Uh, certainly you want the economy to continue to thrive to the extent possible you don't want to discourage people from going to their place of employment. But how do you come up with these arbitrary distinctions? If this is a health crisis, and if we all know that this COVID virus is not discriminating against people based upon their age or whether they're working or whether they're recreating, how are you going to enforce it? It seems uh, it, you can't. That's The answer is you can't enforce it. And I don't think anyone would be prosecuted for not um, complying with these arbitrary rules. Again, it, it, it's well-intended maybe, but the um, ability to enforce this and to compel compliance, I, I don't think um, is doable in a courtroom. But again, the fear factor is getting people to comply. And at some point, the fear factor is going to run out of, you know, the, the juice that it has to get people to do what the governor or in this state or other states wants people to do. Um, I think people are waking up to that realization that um, there's this extensive overreach by all of the governors, most of the governors around the country. They've got this new power and they're taking it out for a ride. And it's largely unconstitutional, illegal and unenforceable. Folks, a lot more ahead. He's attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DePietro Show. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508-336-7801. Maybe if you need workers. Maybe you have workers and won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time, full-time, maybe weekend work. You need the professionals at MEGA Professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out. They send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts, call them today, 508-336-7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession, MEGA professionals. Call them today, 508-336-7801. Again, 508-336-7801. You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. 
Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. Right now, I'll bet you could use some extra cash. Why not sell some of your gold, silver, other precious metals? Vero Industries, folks over 40 years experience, they will give you cash. They'll buy your gold, silver, other precious metals. Call Lee today at 401-434-8900. Leo has over 40 years experience. It's V-E-R-O, Vero Industries. They will buy gold silver other precious metals old broken new silverware jewelry serving trays tea coffee sets or pieces listen why not right now sell it and get that cash that you need call leo at vero industries 401-434-8900 impeccable reputation folks they know the industry better than anyone and they'll give you what it's worth your gold silver also a buyer of individual coins, coin collections, watches, half earring pieces, and much more. Call Leo at Vero Industries. Why not get some cash right now for that gold, silver, and other precious metals? Call Leo, 401-434-8900. Weekend evening appointments are available. Two locations or at your location, their location, two locations, East Providence and Warwick. Call them Vero Industries. 401-434-8900. Listen, get cash for that gold, silver, other precious metals you have. Call Leo, 401-434-8900. One more time, 434-8900. With us is attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, before we move on to some other topics, I just want to stay with this tip line for a moment. Number one, I, you tell me, I think it's almost unprecedented in the state, but let's just, um, I have been getting email from individuals asking, all right, so you're at home and you have your family over and there's more than 20 people uh, or more than 15, if that, but let's just say you have 20 mem- family members over on a Saturday for a cookout. Suddenly there's the police at the door. Someone called, said you're having a large gathering and we want it. What, what? Could the homeowner, should the homeowner person hosting the event do? Um, I, do you have to let, I mean, I, I would almost take the attitude, hey, listen, you know, this is my family. We're not breaking any laws. We have people distance out. We're taking hand sanitizer and things like that. Like, I, I, I think people could be become very adamant, like you're, you're not coming into my home. Well, yes. I mean, you've got, let's assume you're having a party in your backyard or in your dining room and you've got some Gladys Kravitz type neighbor next door who calls the cops on you and they show up and knock on the door and they say, we want to come in and do a head count and we want to look around. You just say, no, you can't come in. Come back with a warrant and I'll let you in. Otherwise, I'm not letting you in. Simple as that. That's right. Do you think, and I would imagine, Tim Dodd, that the Lord people need to know law enforcement. I, I can't imagine unless this was, you know, someone's having some huge blowout bash where there's clearly almost hundreds of people. I don't think these are the types of calls that law enforcement would want to even be preoccupied with. Well, I, I think that the attitude, I, I would hope that the attitude would be similar to the attitude displayed by the Providence police when they had that encounter with uh, Councilwoman Kat, um, whatever her name is, yes. Kerwin, thank you. They say, look, we don't want to cite you. We don't want to issue you a ticket. Just turn the music off and everything will be fine. And I'm sure most cops would show up and say, listen, we've had reports that you've got more than 15 people. We don't want to make a scene. We don't want to make this difficult for you. If you've got too many people here, um, why don't you disperse and, you know, this be warned that you can't do this. I don't think the cops are going to be looking to be knocking out tickets left and right, um, issuing summonses and citations. It's more work for them. They're going to wind up spending a lot of time in court um, getting cross-examined and tested and um, put on the spot by defense counsel who would have a field day defending people against these types of allegations. Tim, speak, staying with that uh, Kat Kerwin situation for a moment, folks, that was the case 
uh, where she's a city council person in Providence. I'm glad the police have the body cam footage. Uh, from what I saw, Providence police, they got a complaint, noise violation. These people did not at this uh, bar have a permit for outside music. And then she thrusts herself in the situation. Hey, excuse me. I'm a council person. I'm going to call the chief. And then uh, really almost uh, interfering. I, Tim Dodd, I, I saw police that basically buy the book and even cutting them a break. Hey, listen, next time we don't want to cite you. Uh, the, the, the bar owner initially was a little contentious. But um, if this had escalated a little bit more, is there a provision where a public official that she almost seemed to be interfering with what was going on with the Providence police? that maybe she could have maybe been brought up on some kind of a charge. If it had, if it had escalated and I, 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 it's not, they don't need my commendation, but I would commend the, the Providence police. I thought that they entered a hostile area. This is a, this is a bar that's clearly um, anti-cop. They've got signs in the windows, defund the police. They've got acronyms for killing police. Yep. They've got the, all the Black Lives Matter, you know, uh, verbiage going on. It's definitely not friendly territory. And they went in there and I thought they were very professional and they kept the situation from escalating. If Councilwoman Kerwin had continued to stick her nose into this situation and she didn't back off and she could have had it escalated been clearly charged with either uh, disturbing the peace. She could have clearly been charged if it had escalated with obstruction, interference with a police officer in the performance of his or her duty. It didn't get to that point. And I think it largely didn't get to that point because of the conduct of these officers who, um, exhibited quite a bit of restraint and they didn't take the bait when they were challenged by the bar owner or by councilwoman Kerwin. They didn't take the bait. They didn't let it escalate. Um, they were very professional. Um, Kerwin tried to threaten them. I'm going to call the, the chief. They're like, go ahead. I want your name and your badge number. There's my name. There's my badge number. Write right. it down. They didn't yep. take the bait on any of it. They were, they were, Good, and I think this is an example where having the body cam certainly helped. It also helped a couple of weeks ago when the um, that off-duty fireman um, claimed all sorts of racial um, right. animus by the cops, and the body cam showed that that not that was not clearly clearly not the case, John. So body cams can serve a very useful purpose, especially in this environment where the cops are being um, challenge on everything they do and allegations are made against them. And, you know, certainly what actually occurred differs from what the council was claiming before that video was released. Tim Dodd, staying with Providence, I was very surprised that they're going to let this Derek Hazard, that was a high profile inner city murder. Um, all these years later now, I, I, I was very surprised that he's getting out. And I'm actually confused a little bit as to why he's getting out. It, it is. It's, it's a bit confusing. Hazard, for, for since the inception of the prosecution against him for murder, has uh, professed his innocence, saying that he was not in Rhode Island, that he had nothing to do with it. Um, the case took on a very odd turn when um, he, he lost his appeal, but an attorney who was not part of the original case looked into the, uh, the hazard situation, largely prompted by a thorough Providence Journal investigation, which suggested that Hazard's original defense counsel uh, did not do an adequate job investigating the facts of the case or preparing an adequate defense. The attorney who originally represented Derek Hazard has since passed away, um, but he was really in the crosshairs um, when outside counsel alleged that um, he had not done an adequate job defending Hazard. Allegedly, Hazard at the 11th hour tells his trial attorney that he was fishing in Ohio and tells his trial attorney that there was a motor vehicle stop en route in the state of New Jersey 
Yep. And there should be records of that stop in New Jersey, which would confirm that he was um, not in the state. Now, after the trial, he's convicted and he complains that uh, defense counsel didn't run down the New Jersey situation. Curiously, when that situation is run down, there is a, there is a New Jersey State Police report of a stop of a vehicle with Rhode Island plates and the vehicle were three black men. And Derek had said he was in the vehicle with his brother and his cousin, and they were going fishing in um, Ohio. Um, the license that was given to the officer was Derek's brother's license. Derek's story is, I didn't give him my license because my license was uh, suspended. So the report from New Jersey does nothing to prove that Derek was in the vehicle. It proves his brother was in the vehicle. And right. two, two other gentlemen of, who were uh, black gentlemen were in the vehicle. But it doesn't put Derek in that vehicle. There's circumstantial evidence which would suggest that maybe he was. And maybe if presented at trial, that would have created some reasonable doubt for the jury. But the jury never got to hear that. Ultimately, the case, um, there's a petition uh, request for a new trial that was put in front of the trial judge. And the trial judge denied the motion for new trial. And he stated that um, even if the uh, car stop evidence had been uncovered by defense counsel, that would not reasonably have changed the result of the trial. Well, maybe yes, maybe no, but that was the court's conclusion. The case goes to the Supreme Court. And the court is also um, um, leery or skeptical, let's say, of Derek's story about being in the vehicle when it was stopped in New Jersey. Um, the Supreme Court said, you know, that this um, guy Hazard's story had changed. It was full of inconsistencies and interestingly, full of inconsistencies and mendacities, which I think is a great word. And they found that defense counsel's story as to what happened and what he was told and when he was told it was more credible than the story that Derek Hazard was giving. Because Hazard basically pointed the finger and said, if my defense lawyer did a good job, I would have been acquitted of this crime. Um, the defense counsel was put in the hot seat for a long time, got a yeah. lot of very adverse publicity, but ultimately the, the court found that he had done an adequate job and that his version of what he was told and when he was told it um, was superior to the version that Derek Hazard was giving. But right. to your point, John, about how did he get out, um, the, the parole board said that now Hazard's position is markedly different in the degree of insight and acceptance of responsibility for his huh. role in the crime versus his prior appearances. So I think his prior appearances before the parole board would suggest that he kept saying, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, this is all wrong, I shouldn't be here. For him to have now come in with a different tack, saying, I accept my responsibility for my role in this crime, Wow. maybe that's what the parole board was waiting for him yeah. to finally fess up and say, okay. And once he said the words, they said, okay, now you can go. Amazing. So, I did it, follow this case very closely, and I just wanted to check what was seemingly um, to be the turning point was. And I just want people to understand he's, he's at the ACI, uh, and then they were they had left. They uh, were had supposedly he said no, I was in Ohio fishing and the family reunion and so forth. But anyway, the real turning point is when when people go to the ACI. It's my understanding that many times the conversations or calling the ACI they they're recorded, and the brother tells him. After a long period of time, I think two years that he's in jail, uh, why didn't you tell me you guys got stopped on the way to Ohio? That's an important factor. Suddenly, he interjects, hey, we were in a car and we were stopped and I was you know, driving because then they had the name of the brother. Well, the reason, in my opinion, this is my opinion, Tim Dodd, the reason he never initially said, oh, yeah, and by the way, we got stopped on the way there is because I don't believe he was in the car. Because if you were in the car and you were the driver, you wouldn't have said two years later to your brother, why didn't you tell me you got stopped on the way to New Jersey? That's an important fact because there was a stop and they didn't have the brother's name. 
So I find Tim Dodd, and I'll give you a final thought, but amazingly, when the Providence Journal did a story on it, I think that is the most crucial part is they have him recorded at the ACI almost reprimanding his brother like, you idiot. Why didn't you tell me you guys got stopped in the on, in the in New Jersey on the way to Ohio? John, I think you're right. I don't believe Derek was in that car. No, um, he wasn't in the car, but it did give him something that yes. had he had he known it sooner and had he yep. fed that to his defense counsel, um, it could have been something that might have planted doubt in the minds of the jurors, and it might have been a factor that might have might have either led to him being acquitted or being convicted of a lesser included offense. Um, I don't think the trial judge bought the story. I don't think the Supreme Court bought the story about him being in this car in New Jersey. And if that story doesn't hold water, um, you know, then his whole alibi falls apart. He also had the, the fellow that got killed had somebody else with him. And that witness, who was not a very good witness, I think he changed his story over time, is yeah. the one who ID'd um, Derek and uh, the co-defendant as the shooters. So you've got an eyewitness That's saying, right. no, no, this guy's in Rhode Island. And he exactly. was one of the shooters. Folks, so we're that... going to take a quick break. Come right back. Attorney Tim Dodd with our legal segment and a lot more uh, with Tim Dodd right here on the John DePietro Show. Mega truck and trailer repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-2110. 508-336-2110 for Mega M-E-G-A, Mega truck and trailer repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates, FHWA inspections and Rhode Island State Inspection Station, trailer pickup and delivery, 24-hour mobile service, Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 24-hour mobile service, and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. You want to stay as healthy as you possibly can. And one of the ways you can do that is if you stop in and see my friend Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can call her at 305-3585, 305-3585. Stop in at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. I'll bet you've driven past that old church many different times. Now is your chance to stop in. And what are you going to find? Well, Marie is so incredible. It's My Health. It helps you with your health, your family's health. Vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies who understand quality, integrity, local products like a kai berry, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. At It's My Health, at 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, you're going to find over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce, plus box herbs and teas. And folks, Marie is so knowledgeable. These are all natural ingredients you want to put when you're uh, put involved as ingredients when you're cooking, and it's so healthy for you and your family. Plus, hemp and CBD products for oral and topical use. They have vitamins for children. They're going to keep you healthy. It's my health. Stop it and see Marie. Pop by 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can call her at 305-3585. What an incredible store, incredible selection. She is so knowledgeable. Just pop in, swing in. It's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Folks, with us is attorney Tim Dodd. 
Tim, let's get to the um, situation with the uh, Marathon Bomber. There's another one that suddenly uh, the brother that did li- live, Jacques Sonoff, suddenly the, the judge made a, I, I think made a ruling that because of the media, um, he couldn't get what, – what is the ruling now where suddenly he, he's not getting the death penalty? What, what the First Circuit Court did is they rev- – the, the trial was held in federal court. He was convicted at the penalty phase. Uh, the jury decided that he should get the death penalty. Obviously, defense counsel appealed um, the conviction and many elements of this trial to the First Circuit Court of Appeals. The First Circuit didn't overturn most of the uh, crimes for which uh, Zarnayev was found guilty. They were troubled by the penalty phase, which resulted in the death penalty being um, voted by the jury. The court looked at the proceedings and the court found problems with the trial judge. Number one, this case had extensive, extensive pretrial publicity around the world, but specifically in Boston. This was a real hometown tragedy that, you know, everyone knows everyone in Boston. And it was a real um, punch to the gut for the entire population of the Boston area. Um, the, the trial judge did not allow for a change of venue. And it seems to me a, tr- a change of venue would have been appropriate because the pretrial publicity in this case was overwhelming. The court went on, the First Circuit Court went on to find that um, the trial judge, um, when when faced with a case involving um, extensive and potentially prejudicial pretrial publicity, must elicit, quote, the kind and degree, close quote, of prospective jurors' exposure to the case or to the parties if asked by counsel. And the, the, the seminal case on this point is Patriarca versus U.S. It's a 1968 case where our own Raymond Patriarca yeah. um, appealed because of a, a murder case that he was involved in, which had extensive pretrial publicity. And the reviewing court found that in that case, the trial justice did not do enough to protect Patriarca as a defendant from the potential prejudice prejudices of jurors based upon the jurors exposure to pretrial publicity. So the trial judge here in the Sarnayev case was faulted for not doing enough to ensure that these jurors um, were not tainted and not biased by whatever pretrial publicity they might have read or been exposed to. And if the trial justice does not meet the patriarchal standard, then the, um, the determination by the jury to um, go for the death penalty had to be overturned. So now the um, federal prosecutors are faced with a, with a terrible dilemma. Um, what, do they allow this case to stand as this judgment, I should say, to stand, which leaves Sarnayev with um, life without the possibility of parole, and that's it? Or do they say, okay, let's tee this up again as to the uh, the counts that we've got to retry so that we can do this correctly and hopefully we get a second jury to also vote in favor of the death penalty. Half of the victims of this uh, bombing say, we don't want to go through it again. This is too torturous for us. It brings up all the old scars, the old memories. We don't want to do it. Some of the other victims are like, yeah, let's go. This guy deserves to die. Let's tee it up. We'll go through the, the, the hell of a new trial because we want to see this through to the end. Um, defense counsel is saying, hey, look, it's up to the prosecutors. Do they want to drag the city and all this again? If they want to do it, it's their call. Um, I think in the first instance, the um, decision of the First Circuit would be appealed by the prosecution to the U.S. Supreme Court. That's where this would go. If the U.S. Supreme Court accepts the case and finds that the judge um, was appropriately thorough in vetting the jurors to make sure they didn't have um, animus or bias based upon pretrial publicity, 
um, the Supreme Court could, U.S. Supreme Court could flip the decision of the first. Um, if the Supremes say no, what the First Circuit did was correct, well, now the prosecutors would have to either let it lie with um, no death penalty or go through the whole exercise again, getting a conviction again and hoping a jury would again vote for the death penalty. Sure. That's a long and arduous and painful and emotionally upsetting um, choice that they would be making for people of Boston, the victims of this horrible situation. Um, so certainly they're going to send it up to the Supreme Court first and see if the Supreme Court bites. Otherwise, I'm not sure they'll go for another trial. That yeah. remains to be seen. It's, it's such an emotionally devastating case. And half of the victims say, we don't want to go through it again. You wonder if the prosecutors have an appetite to do this all over again. Yeah, I don't think so. Hey, Tim, I want to jump to uh, this was they, uh, this guy that was the owner of the Remington House in in Appenog. He was the the first one that they went after that when uh, the government, you know, the whole pandemic, they announced they're going to give these uh, loans, PPP loans to uh, different businesses. He suddenly, even though he had closed it, says, yeah, I'm the owner of the Remington House. He also said he was the owner of Top of the Bay and nothing to do with it. He gets all this government money. He was the first one in the nation caught. And I think this is really interesting that some people just figure, you know, I'm going to uh, I'm going to make it look like I killed myself and then they won't be looking for me and uh, goes through the suicide note, leaves the car, the whole thing. But uh, apparently th this ruse did not work because they did catch up to him. <laughs> no, it didn't work. Um, it's 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 funny. Goodbye, it's not cruel funny. world. <laughs> yes. Um, this guy. um the uh, federal prosecutors suggested to the court um, at the time they were considering bail, the prosecution described him as a, he's been a fraud machine for the last 10 years and that he is an economic danger to the community. I, I like the language that he is a fraud machine. Yeah. Um, after a lot of back and forth between prosecution um, counsel for the prosecution and defense counsel, the court ordered this guy to home confinement. So this guy's great. I'm, I'm on home confinement. So he cuts off his ankle bracelet and fakes his own suicide. And I don't think the, the cops for one second, one nanosecond bought that he had killed himself. He left his car like parked by the side of the road with his keys, with his wallet, with his credit cards, with his money. And with a with a suicide note, but they never found a body anywhere. So they were like, "Yeah, right. This guy didn't kill himself." And when that happens, the cops have time and resources and surveillance material and uh, electronics and computers that uh, the average person doesn't realize they have access to. And they just wait. And eventually, the guy's going to make a mistake. He's going to call home. He's going to do something. He's going to get caught on video at a store. Something's going to pop up that's going to um, trap him and get him um, rearrested. Now that he's rearrested, um, having broken the terms of his home confinement, he goes immediately to jail where he will remain until this case comes up for trial because he violated the provisions of his bail. Um, and if he ever asks for reconsideration, the court is going to say, yeah, right. You cut off your ankle bracelet. You fake your own suicide. You're out there with a number of aliases. You're, you're, you're very skilled at um, perpetrating frauds. You know, you're not going anywhere. This is, a, this is for sure a jail case. Um, this guy will be made an example of, just like in the... Um, the college um, bribery scheme, um, the federal government has an interest in making examples of people like this who fraudulently attempt to um, get PPP money because they're grabbing money, which would otherwise be going to other legitimate businesses. The fund right. only had a certain amount of money, and these guys were grabbing <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars for two restaurants that they had no ownership interest in that wow. had been out of business and um, were, they had no employees. Um, it was a total fraud. Um, I believe there's um, sufficient electronic correspondence, emails, et cetera, that um, this guy's in real trouble, which is probably why he ran because he knows now that he's going to 
in all likelihood catch a significant criminal criminal sentence, whether he pleads this out or whether he's foolish enough to take it to trial. To that, and also in some way, I just think, um, and I don't in any way mean this as a compliment, but when you think how long Whitey Bulger was on the run, I mean, he was on the lam for more, well, he disappeared in 95. They didn't catch up to him till 2011. Um, the discipline, resources of money, that was a major worldwide manhunt. Th- this guy didn't last, you know, I, what did he last a month? And then they found, I mean, it just gives you, lack of a better word, but appreciation that Bulger, to be on the run for that long, uh, just what a type of individual he was. Well, with Whitey, though, not to get too far into the Whitey situation, it, it seems almost like the feds didn't want to find him for a number sure. of reasons and that That's we're true. looking the other way. Um, he was good at it, but I think that they weren't making a hard look for him at the time for a number of um, political reasons and because of the what would be exposed as to some of the shenanigans at the FBI as it relates to, you know, them playing footsie with him for all those years, um, I think they were happy to have him out in the weeds for quite a long time. Folks, he is our uh, legal analyst, attorney Tim Dodd. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this week. Tim, great job, and we will talk to you again. Thanks, John. Take care. A.E. Mazika Insurance Services. Call today, free consultation. It's Scott and Alex, 401 353 9,300. Folks, A.E. Mazika Insurance Services, located 1529 Middle Spring Avenue in North Providence. But you can call, free consultation, 401-353-9300. They're licensed Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and Florida. It's very simple. They're going to help you and your family save money. And maybe it's on your home insurance or life insurance, business insurance, auto insurance, A.E. Mazika Insurance Services. Look for them on Facebook. They also have a great website. It's A.E. Mazika dot com call them at 401-353-9300 what about if you save two hundred dollars a month it's like giving yourself a raise how about that an extra twenty five hundred dollars a year maybe even more and also this time of year make sure you're covered maybe it's for your motorcycle or your boat or jet skis or an rv or an off-road vehicle ae mazika insurance services call them today three five three 9300-401-353-9300. Let them help you save money. It all starts with one phone call. A.E. Mazika Insurance Services, 1529 Middle Spring Avenue in North Providence. Why not? Let them help you save money. Give yourself a raise. 401-353-9300. Look for them on Facebook and their website is aemazika.com. Attention business owners. In today's world, customers judge you by your website. And for most people, their first introduction to your business or company is your website. Karen Etchells at InnoVest is here to help. Give her a call at 401-321-2799. Hey, now it's 2020. You got to freshen up that old website design that Al Gore invented. If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional and she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at InnoVest Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. Mega Logistics, they're there to help you. Give them a call today, 401-431-2300. MEGA Mega Logistics. If you have freight, you need freight, goods, third-party brokerage for your company, warehousing and transportation. How about custom freight, supply chain management, routing, bill auditing, customer developing, Proven track record with Fortune 500 companies, you can depend on MEGA, MEGA Logistics. Call them today, 401-431-2300. 401-431-2300. Does that sound like your company? Maybe you have freight or you need freight goods, third-party brokerage, warehousing, transportation, 
custom freight. They have the experience. Call them today. MEGA Logistics, 401-431-2300. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Folks, weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380. Remember now, Providence and North of Providence, I want you to try the 99.9 FM. 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website. Visit it, depetro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. Right on the top on the left-hand side, you'll see where it says Listen Live. Just click on that. Anywhere in the world, you can listen while we're live on the air. And then right below that, on the dashboard, at the website, you'll see where it says Radio Show. If you ever miss any part of the show, you just click on Radio Show, and folks, boom, there it is. You can pull it up. It's all in library fashion. And remember, the uh, Facebook Live is very, very popular. Check out the Facebook page. It's John DePietro Show on Facebook. And then you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram and also on YouTube. Again, it's all under John DePietro Show. Folks, remember, for all your tree service, well, you want to call Yankee Tree. Call them today, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, yankeetreeservice.com. What can they do? They do it all. Tree trimming. Experts based right in Lincoln. Tree removal since 2006 and also 24-7 emergency service available. Call Yankee Tree Service today, 439-6028. 439-6028. Whether it's tree removal, stump grinding, tree pruning, emergency service, bucket truck at service, and bobcat service. Since 2006, they've been performing tree removal service on top of that. Nothing stumps. Yankee Tree Service, they provide stump grinding. Enjoy your landscape without the eyesore. As far as pruning, well, let them get up there. Oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down. At Yankee Tree Service, their licensed arbiters help you decide what's best, the treatment plan for your tree. And maybe it's an emergency service. Did something come down? Call them today, 439 439- 6028 439 6028 if they have to they get right up there in the bucket yankee tree service since 2006 tree trimming experts give them a call 439 6028 or online at yankeetreeservice.com johnson propane folks stop in and see phil johnson you can call him at 621 8129, located 904 Manton Avenue in Providence. Now, right in front of Stop and Shop next to Wendy's, they're open seven days a week for all your propane needs. It's Johnson Propane. Propane tanks filled, plus they have tanks and supplies. Here's the thing with Johnson Propane. 904 Manton Avenue in Providence. They'll refill your Blue Rhino tank. Now, most of the time, if you bring it somewhere, they swap it out and they charge you 22 bucks. Not with Johnson Propane. Phil will refill that Blue Rhino tank for just $15. They're open seven days a week, right next door to Wendy's. Credit cards accepted, nine to seven each day. Stop it and see Phil, and he never runs out. He's always backed up. Since 1971, you can depend. Johnson Propane. Bring in your propane tanks. Call him 621-8129. Better yet, stop it and see him. 904 Manton Avenue of Providence, right in front of the Stop and Shop. The guy is a legend, and right next door to Wendy's, it's Johnson Propane. 